for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organizations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker, and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business, Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges joined by relevant experts and real life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hi there. I thought I'd just nip on and let you know that I'm excited to be back doing training delivery in 2024. It kind of came around organically as people reached out to me, some of which had listened to me on the podcast, and I realised how much I love it. So the sorts of training that I'm delivering in-house for clients, I deliver my Change Superhero programme, which just got rave reviews from a government organisation. I also do management and leadership training and specific topics under performance. I'm running sessions on that, which is really interesting because that seems to have changed since COVID, uh, what underperformance looks like. And many managers are finding that challenging. So I've got a lovely blended course that I run there. And obviously other management and comms or facilitation, I'm really happy to deliver in line with the requirements of your business. So if you'd like to work with me personally, uh, I I've got limited availability, but I do have availability and I'm looking for clients that want to work with me during 2024. So do reach out if you want to discuss your requirements. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And this week I'm talking to Jo Wright. She's speaker, coach, best-selling author of a great titled book, I've got to be said, called No More Shit Managers sorry, bleep, uh, shit manager, seven steps to a coaching culture. We'll be exploring those seven steps over the course of this conversation. She's also co-founder of the coaching culture business. Joe, do you want to tell us a bit about your background and how you got into this area? Oh yeah, thank you, Lucinda. Um, yes, yeah, so worked for many years in um, large corporates, always been um, a manager who co- coached, or at least I thought I was, uh, but without knowing it was coaching until I further and further along went through my career and I became a, a change manager on a on a huge transformation change program and I recognized the thing that was different was coaching conversations I'd always been that go-to person that sort of internal mentor like I said I didn't always realize it had the coaching badge um, I recognized the first time where I really asked some great questions and everything changed so many experiences like that but my change manager role made me realize, ah, hang on, there's something really powerful in this. People don't just change when you tell them to. And it was that that made me go, I am fascinated. What's going on here? There's a psychology behind this. I need to know more. So I, I went off and did my coaching qualification after many months of umming and ahhing. Um, and it was life changing. And that is probably the most potted of histories. <laughs> probably 20 something years of a career squashed into two minutes there. Um, but then I, it was life changing and I was like, wow, if something so 
and I'm going to use the word simple because it's not simple, but something so powerful can be life changing, but something that's relatively accessible, actually, how can I get that out to the masses? Because when I'm coaching, I feel like I'm sprinkling fairy dust um, and that didn't feel right. I also felt quite aggrieved that coaching seemed to be reserved for leaders and execs at the time, like some sort of a luxury item. I thought that was criminal. Um, and there's some many strange occurrences, but I ended up in business with my now business partner, the other co-founder of Coaching Culture. Um, and we've just gone on and on and on. And it's it's led to me then wanting to go out more to do speaking, you know, to really inspire people to think differently and uh, through the power of coaching. So there's lots of stories behind there, but that's probably the, the, the shortest version of, of 30 years. I'm sure some will tap into it. And I know from your, there's a few funny stories in the book, aren't there? Uh, it's interesting your point about something so simple. It reminds me of the adage about um, the seven habits where they talk about it's common sense, but common sense isn't that common. So just because something simple doesn't mean that people do it that often. Or and probably the sad thing is they don't necessarily value it. Uh, and yeah. that's an, an interesting thing. So, so I, uh, the change thing, I can I can get the link is because uh, I do lots on change as well. And there's a whole sort of about getting people to buy in is helping people to come to decisions for themselves, taking them on a journey. It, yeah, I'm assuming that that's going to be some of it, but you can tell us more. So you've gone from... Let's, let's, let's kind of take coaching back for the masses. That's yeah. not just some sort of um, ivory tower leadership yeah. only skill. Because uh, your book is very clearly about managers and, and how we can make managers better. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how it fits into people manager? Because I think that's so relevant for my audience. A lot of the time they will have people um, who maybe not very skilled managers, maybe yeah. people who've had no developmental training. Um, so perhaps we can get some practical tips as to how you know, HR professionals listening to this out there here can maybe point them at your book and the oh, top tips. Absolutely. So having worked in coaching culture now for a number of years and, and speaking to lots and lots of organisations with coaching culture, we managed to set up a community, you know, got to speak to so many fabulous people in organisations of all sizes, all shapes and sizes. Um, and it made us realise that actually Building a coaching culture isn't just, you know, it's not just about the, I, I've created what I call a, a capability triangle. And at the very top of the triangle, there's, you know, ex executive coaches, those who've spent hours and hours on their own CPD, getting the professional accreditations, getting their stripes and their badges and their continuous coaching hours. Then you've got the internal um, accreditations, people who are practicing coaching internally, often in HR, but not always but often in HR, but the magic happens when leaders and managers who are managing their teams and having conversations every single day, that's where the magic happens, when they have some level of coaching capability. And while ever we use the word simple before, it's, you know, if you want to be at the top of the triangle, that is not simple, but actually some level of basic communication skills for leaders and managers to be able to know how to build trust, rapport, um, create accountability in others, set goals, build high performance, give and receive feedback, care for their people, show empathy. All of that should be basic, basic, essential people skills. And, and within the book, the book is really interesting because the book is, it's kind of got a bullseye target market, but then there's more and more people who are benefit on the back of the book. So the people who are currently buying the book are for board level 
so working on how to build their cultural strategy into the organizational strategy and that features within the book as well as I've had some bulk orders for manager and leadership development programs because manage there's examples of disappointing management in this book I call it toe curling stories but for every toe curling story there's a heartwarming heartwarming case studies attached to it so it's not just a this is all awful you know there's some really you know good examples of bad examples of management but then there's that this is how it should have been done this is what should be happening this is what people want in their careers and their managers and leaders now this is how it should be done um, so while ever the titles are cheeky and deliberately provocative ones, somebody actually described the book to me recently as a, a love letter to humanity, because actually building a coaching culture is a positive culture to work within, is a, a culture where people are developed, people are comfortable um, with each other, they're happy to give each other and receive feedback. Leaders and managers are knowing that it's about the people and this is what we need to do to help them to thrive. And it's, that does not mean it is all soft and fluffy and all those words that make me cringe. You know, this is still about building performance, but it's through building trust. And when people want to work with you and for you, high performance will follow. Whereas at the minute, it, I seem to be hearing a lot um, of people really struggling at the minute. There's more and more people in crisis mode, in burnout. Everybody seems to be focusing on high productivity, squashing people, you know, so tightly and they don't have any more to give. You know, the, the world is going crazy around us and people are absorbing that and going to work with that in their minds. And they've got a lot of worries and they can't just leave them at the door, even though they're trying to and pretending to. So actually... Caring for your people and listening with empathy gets the job done more. Obviously, you've still got to train people and show them how to do things, but asking people questions and listening, what's, what are they thinking and feeling is where a coaching culture will develop. And I give examples in the book of organisations that are either on that journey or who feel that they've got there. And while it's a never-ending journey, is it culture never stops? We never have a, a flag and just say, there, we're done now. But where people feel that actually they are, they've gone from good to great because of things that they've put in place. So if we go back then to your um, triangle, which I thought yeah. was great, you get your kind of exec coaching and I, and I know what they do in exec coaching. So we've both done coaching qualifications and, and you sit down and you say, what do you want to work on? What yeah. And you use the grow model or equivalent. Yeah and go through the process and that's kind of like a coaching session um and to a certain extent internal coaches might do similar, similar. and it's almost making it an event maybe so a coaching event for argument's sake yep. so when you're talking here about managers yep. uh, what we want them to do specifically and and and, and i get it, it's building trust and it's relationship yep. what is the skill or, or what are you talking about that you want managers to be doing and and we would then recognize that that's kind of going on the right way to a coaching culture making coaching every part of the everyday conversations now it doesn't mean say every conversation is a coaching conversation but stopping to think actually rather than me just diving into telling somebody the answer and getting it off my desk and moving on actually taking the time to pause listen to others um because often when if you're wanting to change somebody's behavior you need to get them bought into what that means and what it looks like so actually start to get them to think for themselves 
you know, and empower them and trust them to do the job. And people will more often than not surprise you at how great they are once you start giving them that level of trust and capability to go and do great things. Whereas if you're just telling them all the time and criticizing them and pulling them up for things they've done wrong, they're just not going to do the best work. What do you think stops managers from doing that currently? I have a thing. I probably won't remember them all now. Now I've not, I've not, I have a, a talk that I do called why your managers aren't coaching on what you can do about it which is absolutely to your question. And I have eight myths that I like to bust, but now I've got to think of eight, I'll probably forget some of them. Right. But a lot of people complain about time. Mm -hmm. It's that usual time thing. Whereas, you know, my view is we've all got the same 24 hours. It's how we fill them and use them. Um, and actually it does take time up front to, to learn your own coaching skills and develop your own skills. And it does take time up front to coach people but once you start getting into that positive habit it becomes a virtuous cycle of the more your people are growing because they're being coached the more you grow as well there are I always say there are no downsides to building coaching skills or a coaching culture the other things that people think it's, it's not my job it's for HR to do you go and do my job for me um, and that one makes my head spin round um, because it absolutely isn't the job of HR to do the role of the manager. But equally, HR have got a role in teaching and training managers what their role actually is. So they, they shouldn't be enabling managers to give them their people to coach. They should be enabling their managers to coach their teams. So that's another one. Um, Another one is where people think coaching is just for poor performance. That's not true either. So they shy away from it or they think it's a bad thing. You know, I often say coaching is, is for all performance. It's good to great. You know, it takes people, it moves performance upwards. So let's stop, let's stop thinking of coaching in a certain way. And I need to, you know, I'm on a mission to sort of kind of bust some of these myths of which there are many more you know, why managers aren't coaching. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the, I mean, it's certainly one of the things we had a conversation before we came on air, didn't we? Yeah. About challenges for, for managers. And, and certainly I, when I think back to when I was in an internal OD role yeah. and we used to look at why wouldn't people manage? And I think one of the challenges was, it's, it's a long time of, I haven't got the time, but it's more along the lines of, I don't want to make the time because I don't think it's important enough. So the people management time that you needed to invest wasn't seen as as valuable as people with a day job and I see that particularly in um player managers if you like so yeah. someone who's just got a couple of people that reports into them so they've also they're also an individual contributor they've got to also deliver on their own job um and they've got a coach on the side they've got certain people to manage yeah. on the side and it feels like a bit of an add-on a bit of an extra hassle as opposed to you know part of their job fully is to coach and develop their people. So I feel, feel there's a mindset challenge sometimes for people. So I often say, so whenever people would come to me about a coaching program or anything like that, I would say we have to start with the mindset. You can't just give people the skills because to be honest, skills are, you know, we can go and learn our own things. We can research, but 
to be able to act like a coach, you've got to be able to think like a coach is often what I say. Mm -hmm. um, and all I would be pleading with organisations is that they allow their leaders and managers and give them the time and skills to adopt a coach approach more of the time. Not saying go and get your professional qualifications here, there and everywhere. That's a whole lot of money and a whole lot of time. But actually give them some level of capability that raises their awareness on what good coaching at that level is. They don't need to go into deep psychology, but at least being able to recognize what it is, that it's not mentoring, that it's not telling everybody. And actually to recognize that more and more people in employment are wanting this now. They expect it. And if we don't get it right, those organizations are going to lose out. You know, we've already seen so many people leave jobs you know throughout the pandemic post-pandemic you know it, for me it's a, a way to not just future proof the organization but to current proof the organization and and it's to me it's I I'm on I feel Lucinda like I'm on some sort of mission and I and I, I keep saying to people joking but I don't think I am joking I say I'm gonna have on my gravestone one day it's either, it's gonna it's gonna be binary it's either gonna say didn't she do well or well, she died trying. Um, <laughs> and at the minute, it's, it's not going to be somewhere in the middle. So at the minute, I'm hoping for the, you know, I just feel that there's there's a ripple of organisations now really starting to wake up to this is essential. Um, and you and I talked again before we went on air talking about you wouldn't give your car keys to somebody who'd not passed the driving test, but we're happily giving the keys to somebody's career to somebody who, A, has not been given any skills to be a people manager or B, they don't even really want it. They just yeah. see it as a way up to get more money. I know that's I that's one I used to think feel that we should have people management amnesty almost to, to get yes. people out of it. If you haven't got the people gene, i.e. you inherently don't want to do it and you want to go and code or be an engineer, yes. whatever it is, then do that. Mm -hmm. You know, think about sales even sales, the people sort of profession, the worst sales sales managers were those were actually the best salespeople because they were quite you know, single-minded and yeah. about them. But so just to, for clarity, because I know what my answer would be, but let's see whether your you yeah. your answer would be. So um, when we're talking about managers coaching, are we basically saying um, that they would ask, they would ask a question before telling the answer? Is that, you know, they would rather than automatically going into tell or direct mode, they would ask and listen, help the person think of it themselves. Or would you define it differently to that? No, I would define it as that. Absolutely. But I also think it's situational. So we've got situational leadership. I think we've got situational mm -hmm. coaching. You know, I often say to people, you wouldn't coach somebody out of a burning house. You don't want to sit there and ask questions while, you know, the house is burning around you. So actually it's in the right situation. And also with the per the right person, you've got to know what coaching is, but when to coach. So if somebody's brand new in role, and I experienced this many years ago, I was brand new in a brand new role. And I sat there waiting for my manager to help me shape my objectives. And I didn't really know the role. I had to go and develop new skills in it. And he, and he said to me, and I can, <laughs> I can still see it in my mind now, what, what do you think your objectives should be? And in my head, I was like, well, I don't know. I, I genuinely do yeah. not know. Yeah. No amount of thinking would have drawn that answer out of my head. Um, I needed some level of development you and said, direction. What's, what's important? What's my job? Who am I? Who are my stakeholders? Yeah, I you need information I, to do that. I, I needed some level of direction. And over time, when, once I got clear on the role, then coached me all day long because, you know, I didn't need him sort of giving me all that direction. Um, so I absolutely think it's 
And I'll, another story here, I used to have a team and there was eight people in the team and seven of them have gone on to do great things because I used to say to them, do you want me to coach you or do you want me to tell you? So I positioned it, mm -hmm. coach me, coach me, coach me. One of those people used to say, just tell me, just tell me. So I, I would, I literally would because that was what they wanted. Yeah. And that person is in a similar level role to what they were a number of, and that's fine because that's what they He's wanted happy with that a choice totally and that's totally fine but I actually used to ask permission do you want me to coach you or do you want me to tell you and 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 it became part of my vocabulary in the team and it was expected and they'd be like mm. sometimes it would be like actually you know just what? I just want you to tell me yeah. just tell me because it's quicker it is quicker right isn't it so it is quicker absolutely but but then it'd be like oh coach me so and then yeah. they'd come to the answer themselves and do you know what I think I could see the magic I could yeah. see the magic, and they could too. Those people. I like that. That's really... almost like, do you want me to tell you? Oh, do you want me to coach you? That's a that's a nice engaging way of. Um, yeah. And also signposting it to people as a skill, because they will presumably. You said they've gone on in their careers, but it wouldn't surprise me if they also have that as part of their communication kit bag, because you modelled that for them. Totally, absolutely, absolutely, and it's really interesting. I think signposting is a, is an interesting one because I think people come off, and there's a there's a story in the book one of my old managers many years ago uh, fresh off the back of a leadership development course but hadn't told me so zero signposting and I actually call it in the book how not to have a coaching conversation um he started asking me all these questions about a meeting we'd just been in how did I think it had gone what would I do differently and my instant inner imposter went through the roof I was like oh my word I was thinking of all the things I'd done wrong you know, I felt terrible. And, and and I was like, even in the book, I thought we'd not even got to the car. And within five minutes, my inner imposter was gone through the stratosphere. And actually, once he decided to come out of that mode, he sort of went, I think it went really well. It's like, why didn't you just tell me that? Yeah. Why didn't you just yeah. tell me that? Start with that and then let's say what we could do even better. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So let's, let's focus in on, you've got seven seven principles in your book that we're going to talk about which we which are takeaways I guess for our audience clearly they can get the book and, and read it for themselves but can we run through those get a bit of a, a taste of what they are and what you recommend so it's seven so I call it seven steps to a coaching culture um and while ever that sounds extremely perfectly linear um we know that it's not but obviously to for, for the purpose of the seven steps while we're here now um, and I'll talk you through each step. I'll, I'll share what the steps are first and then I'll go back to them. So the first one is visualize. So visualizing what you want. Second one is strategize. The third one is engage. Um, fourth, which means obviously win hearts and minds. Fourth one is grow. So grow capability. Fifth one is thrive, um, which is unlocking feedback. Um, sixth one is perform where you're really starting to perform your Coaching is becoming part of everyday conversations um, and you're using the great technology um, to like that you've got to be able to actually really start capturing what the conversations you've learned along the way. And then the last step is sustain. So in other words, go back around it all again when you've got new people. Don't think this is a journey that you've just finished on and you've got the flag out at the end. You know, you've got to keep continuing through this loop. Um, right. As soon as new people come in the business, new ideas will come, things will change. So visualize being, ideally getting the most senior team together to visualize part of the future. What do we want the culture of our organization to be? And you and I know that culture has been talked about more than ever. 
you know, it, it was used to be on the side of the desk or not spoken about at all. Now it's integral to the organizational strategy, you know, and I go as far in the book as to say, you know, actually is the, the culture is the, is the strategy that achieves the business strategy, not the other way around. So don't put a business strategy in and forget your culture. It's the culture that will help you achieve yeah, your not. business yeah. strategy or not. Or undermine absolutely. it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, So visualize, get, get the right people in the room. Think about this. Strategize is obviously start put, putting the plan together of how you're going to get there. Putting the right resources in place. What, where are you now? Where do you need to be? What's the gap? How are you going to fill it? Engage this is in relation to people's skills, is it? We think because I mean, uh, you know, it could be about any strategy, but would, is this particularly to do with coaching culture? You would be. This is about built, yes. Yeah, so this is the seven steps to it. So it's purely focused on building a coaching culture. The skills bit comes in on step four. Okay. So step three is engage, winning hearts and minds. So the step that you and I in change know that is the step that's often missed out. So actually spend that time engaging people. Um, as we said earlier, people don't just change when you tell them to. So actually win those hearts and minds so people don't just get a, an invite in their inbox saying you come in on a coaching course and they go, what for? Why? I have no idea what you're on about. Oh, here I am. So actually win hearts and minds. Let people know what the vision of the business. This is all very linear. I do say people do start at different steps, by the way, but this is this is the book and the framework. Yeah. Next step is grow, grow capability, identify what your capability um, is in the business, who you want to focus on to build the capability and work out what capability levels they need. And Thrive is then about building on their coaching capability to start being able to give and receive feedback. I think when people are starting to feel comfortable, they've built trust, they're starting to build relationships better, they're communicating better, they can start giving and receiving feedback. So actually diving, giving feedback when you either haven't got a, a safe culture, people are not used to it, it becomes quite scary. So start focusing on feedback and that's really when you're starting to motor. And then the next level is perform. This is where you are being bold and ripping up the annual appraisal and you're having everyday conversations. This is about a continuous improvement. Um, this is where you're really starting to build. And then, like I said, the last step is literally sustained. So actually, this is just how we do things around here now. Some organizations start at step one, um, and obviously it's a much longer burn. Some start at the likes of capability. So let's go and give people pockets of skills here and there, but you'll only get pockets of results. Nonetheless, it's a good start because if you start getting those pockets of evidence, you can then go back to step one and, and start presenting that evidence to the board um and all along throughout the book there's case studies of how it's done and organizations that have done it in this way as well so and i think you say go stories. start at the beginning and go all the way through that's what you would want to do otherwise you, to get a more sustained result basically yeah that would be my that would be that's the longer burn if somebody's there going you know what i'm happy to invest time in this because it is it does take time that's the other problem is people think this is going to happen oh you know, we'll, we'll be done in a year. No, no. Depends obviously on the size of the organization, yeah. but these things take time um, to change a whole organization, the way the culture is, but to get people recognizing what good looks like and what is expected and not just what is expected, what is not expected and what is not tolerated, um, I think is, is vital. So I, I, and I agree in terms of that, the, the points that you make there, there's, we could go into each of them in more detail, but we haven't got time to do that. And people can go and read it for themselves. I suppose the 
the objection I suppose that I yeah. imagine people might come up with I'd be really interested in how could we overcome that is it's one of those things you can tell people to go and have a coaching conversation I mean the adage of you know ditch the appraisal let's talk mm. year round we've all heard it but it's easier said than done so how do you actually get people to change their behavior when you have got managers I mean we talked earlier about mindset so I'm answering some of my own question here but you've got managers who feel too busy to do it or um, also how do you measure whether the managers have actually changed their communication style on a day-to-day basis that sort of practicalities of it because it's it's easy frankly to talk I mean I've, I can think about loads of managers um back in the day who oh yeah. I, gave, I I gave him some coaching would be a, <laughs> a really, I was like, yeah that really sounds like it was a coach, you know? <laughs> I told him exactly what to do but they now they've just inserted they told him what to do with I coached them so how how do you actually how can you ensure that behavior change is happening so I think behavior change is linked to motivation. I think it's selling the benefits of why this why this matters. People want to know what's in it for them, don't they? How's it going to benefit me? Otherwise, let me know. You know, I haven't got the time. I'm not bothered. I actually sell the benefits and 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 prove it. And that's why I say some organizations start further down the framework and start getting that pockets of evidence and then go back with that evidence. So for me, it's about selling the benefits, you know letting people internally do the talking, let them share, let them show what's different in them as a human being, whether, you know, whatever their results may be and let other people see, see the difference. So I think that is really powerful. There was something going in my mind then to tell you and then I forgot. <laughs> well, don't come, we can come back. Maybe you'll come back because that's an interesting idea though. If we stuck with that point you just made. So you might almost get little pockets. I don't like pilot, but you might have little pockets of people doing it. So it sort of grows organically. Is that what you're suggesting? People see the difference. I know what I was going to tell you. And that is what I was going to tell you because I was going to share share what the title of the book was originally going to be until I got told it was a rubbish title. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The Art of uh, Receiving Feedback. Um, It was going to be called Start Small, Go Everywhere seven steps to a coaching culture because that does what it says on the tin but it would have sat on the shelf with all the other cultural books so I decided to go a bit more punchy than that but fundamentally that message comes throughout start small go where the energy is go where the sunshine is and start building there and building there and it's the ripple effect of transformation absolutely it's that rather than you know Big. I mean, you can still go big bang, but you still got to have your coaching champions throughout. Your coaching, I call them the coaching ninjas, you know, yeah. who are helping in the organisation and role modelling at all levels. I think that's really, really important. I think when you, you know, you hear that you're, I've got horror stories in the book. You know, people turning up to courses saying, "Oh, I believe we're building a coaching culture, are we?" Yeah, yeah, yeah we are. How do you know? Because my boss has been reading some questions from a book in our one to one. Ask, you know, it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> How many more books should I write on these stories? I think. So, so you I are think kind of doing, yeah, you're kind of going in a pull effect, in yeah, effectively yeah. to start with. You're finding the people who've already got that aptitude. And it's a bit, I think, the same if I, in terms of change, managing change. You want people who want to be change agents, yeah. who've got passion for it, Absolutely. who will model it, start with, and then almost create, like you say, the ripples. But you create a tide ultimately yeah. where it swings. And it takes totally. time, as you say. It does take time. And then you asked me before about measures. For me, I think it depends what organizational metrics you're using, but the people metrics should be improving. 
feedback on individuals or teams and the performance, the results in those areas where coaching is more prevalent, those results should be coming through. Um, so I think the measures are there in the organisation. And again, examples in the book of organisations where co uh, managers were having conversations, they just weren't good enough. And, you know, no disrespect to the managers. It was they didn't know any difference. Actually, they were given the skills. And then an organisation that I'm thinking of saying coaching has become the air that we breathe and their engagement results have, have improved and other metrics have improved. Coaching is the air that we breathe, but it wasn't. And that started in 2019. And where are we now? That conversation happened with, you know, in 2023, maybe early 2023. And it so would take it a while happen. for an engagement score to change as well, wouldn't it? Absolutely. At the right time for that to happen. So it's it's a long burn. But what, but what you're therefore doing is culture change, which is Absolutely. going to take a lot of changing back. So it is a longer term and I often hear, Lucinda, that people talk about they want a culture of this, they want a culture of that, and they use words like innovation or belonging or, you know, I say, don't be frightened of the C word, meaning coaching. Coaching, for me, coaching is communication, it's collaboration, it's curiosity, it's creativity, it's many other Cs, um, it's challenge, it's change. Mm -hmm. Coaching underpins it all. To me, coaching is a red thread. In fact, I've just come off a, a call earlier today with a fabulous organisation who are insisting that everybody who has got people management responsibility in their business will be going through some level of coaching skills to develop and to then follow up with bite-side sessions on performance, on goal setting, on accountability, to let them see how it how it covers all of the things, how it yeah. includes all the topics that they're probably thinking, how do I have that conversation? How do I... all of it is underpinned by this red thread? Brilliant. So one final um, question in terms of, of, of this, I suppose, and this is more of a philosophical question because yeah, we, we alluded to this earlier in terms of we've both been in organisations a few more years ago than we like to yeah. admit. Um, would you say that overall, coaching is a more common a more prevalent um skill used in the workplace now compared to 20 years ago or is it still a long way to go so I'm sure it's not where we want it to be but would you say it, it's developed the norm so I think it has but I think we're still a long way to go to where I would love it to be but I remember when I was a new line manager and that really was 30 years ago um I had no idea about what people skills were and I had a team a, quite a large team of people um and and it was only through my own personal trial and error of being a, a new line manager that I recognized actually asking questions um because I didn't have the answers and I genuinely didn't asking questions of my team who knew more than me got out way better results than I could have ever given them so and then over time it took me a long time to realize it was coaching and actually the skills were this this and that. but it was yeah. trial and error rather than any fancy management or leadership development program I think it's a lot more prevalent but I still think we've got a long long way to go yes oh we do we really do I had to careful not to maybe reinforce that that style maybe the, the management style or leadership style that was kind of held up there was much more directive you talk about command and control didn't you sort of 25 30 years yeah. that sort of and that is exactly the opposite of coaching so evolving more to this empowering 
and coaching culture generally. Lucinda, just one point. One of the posts I shared on LinkedIn, and as you well know, that's where I kind of hang out all the time. Um, I shared an article from Foot the Fortune magazine, and and it was a company in America had replaced all their managers with coaches. And the post went, it blew up in a great way. And it was basically saying, and, I, and, and I'm like, whoa, that feels like a step too far. But actually, fundamentally, that's really what we're saying. If coaching skills are required more and more, then we don't need all this management because if people know what their role is, we need people to be empowered, to have their potential unlocked, to to really grow. And, and I often talk to people when I'm sharing what coaching is, I ask them to share words that they think of when they think of coaching. Never, ever do I do I hear a negative word come back to me, ever, apart from maybe time consuming. That might be yeah. the only one that people yeah. have a whinge about. Or but someone actually, just tell me the bloody answer. <laughs> what do you think? Give me your opinion, not what yeah. do you think. But that's, that's, that's think? more counselling, is it? Yeah. How do you feel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's, in, that's in the how not to have a coaching conversation in my book. Um, so actually, that could be where organisations end up. You know, you're hearing more and more organisations of self-managing teams. Actually, yeah. the only way that they'll be able to do that is through being have real clarity and being able to unlock each other's potential through great questions. So I'm definitely on this mission, as I know a lot of other people are, to really, you know, if if one coaching qualification could change my life, through identifying my own limiting beliefs, then actually better conversations can help change other people's roles and careers. Absolutely. And make them more fulfilling. And let's face it, where people are, there's so many things going on with people feeling like they're yeah. burning out or otherwise, otherwise you need to be able to stop and think and listen and connect with that person um, very much as opposed to just kind of tell them to get on with it. Get on with it. Them. The um, interesting point that you made there, just I suppose to wrap up, just, just to loop it back, you talked about a red thread, didn't you? Is that the same as a yeah. gold thread? Because I talk about a gold thread as, to do a strategy. <laughs> is it linking to strategy or is a red thread something totally different? No, for me, it, it's probably the very same thing. I've probably just changed the colour. <laughs> it's a thread, it's a thread, whatever it's colour. A, it's the thing that connects it all. I don't Definitely. know why it's red. <laughs> I just think that's so important as well because yeah. some businesses don't share the vision or where it is yeah. that they're trying to go. And if people don't have, you mentioned the clarity, don't have clarity about where we're trying to go, then um, so the clarity, all those things need to be in existence and then people can be coached to get there because they, they can make decisions because they know where they they know right. where the business is, is aimed. But if it's, if they're in a sort of murky gray area, then it's very hard. Almost going back to your original um, position when you went to your first job, if you don't have any information or clarity, how are you yeah. supposed to know what the priorities are? So those yeah. sort of things need to be in place around this, um, to make it effective. But then let's trust people and give them tools to run. Definitely. Fantastic. Um, uh, Joe, if people want to, uh, I know you're on LinkedIn, so they can look you up on LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, we did have a chat. We had a giggle earlier. <laughs> there's one or two, Joe, right? So I don't know if there's an easy way to um, you coaching culture. Joe Wright coach. I'm the coach. I've, I've, bagged, I've bagged the coach name on LinkedIn. Excellent, excellent. Um, and they can get hold of you through there, can't they? And, and email you, etc. Absolutely. And I've also got my own website, joewright.com. Um, and although there's another lady who's got .com.au, A-U, not A-O, A-U. Oh, so she's in Australia. And I'm like, ah, oh, quite fancy that. <laughs> I'm .com and I'm sat in England. Um, yes, and obviously through coaching culture as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on the HR Uprising podcast. It's been a pleasure to, to chat to you. Thank you too. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. 
If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.